Buonasera! My name is Marcello. I am a tour leader with Explore. Ciao! Come, follow me. Behind this 200-year-old gate is the best view of one of Rome's finest fountains. Ah, oh, bellissima! Look at the Renaissance detail, the sunlight in the bronze! Not everyone knows about Turtle Fountain, but you will if you explore. Search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel. Explore. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Who decides if the U.S. is in a recession? Eight white economists you've never heard of. Eight white economists! Hello and welcome to the Bunker USA. I'm Jacob Jarvis. Tucker Carlson, where do we begin? From being an irritating, bow-tie-wearing, right-wing mouthpiece on MSNBC, whose show was cancelled due to low ratings, he's gone on to be the most watched cable news host in America, with his main show drawing an average audience of 3.1 million people. He's praised Vladimir Putin and Viktor Orban, perpetuated the Stop the Steal nonsense, and regularly fills the airwaves with nativist rhetoric to inflame the anger of the Republican right. But just who is Tucker Carlson? What makes him tick? And what does his influence mean for the future of the United States? Joining me today is Dan Casino, a political scientist who is the author of three books, including Fox News and American Politics. Dan, welcome to The Bunker. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. In the US, I can imagine it's quite hard to get away from Tucker Carlson or assume someone would not know who he is. But say if you were to bump into a random Brit in the street who had no idea, how would you describe Tucker Carlson? Tucker Carlson is a troll. He is a right-wing <laughs> troll. He is someone who is saying the things that will get people upset because he believes that's the way to get attention and that's the way to have influence. And the worst part is he's not wrong. Yeah. Is there, I mean, he's known for being controversial in a polite way of putting it or just uh, – really, really horrible if you look at it from a, another way. What are some of the, you know, the worst things he said and what are the kind of themes that he regularly goes back to? So I think we can break Tucker Carlson up into three big themes, right? He's got three modes of argument that he uses a lot. The first is defensive hierarchy. So he is all about justifying and defending existing hierarchies. Those could be on the basis of sex, sexuality, religion, race, and ethnicity. So he's going to say, you know, look, white people have been in charge and things are pretty good. And they are kind of naturally in charge because as long as he's been around, they've been in charge. So anything that moves us away from that is necessarily bad. Uh, and if you see a competition where those hierarchies are are not reinforced, uh, something's gone wrong, right? There's, those, uh, there's been cheating. There's been something that's gone wrong there. Uh, the second I would say he does a lot with is his arguments that liberals have just gone too far. Let's look at this crazy thing liberals are doing. In that, he's actually very informed by Jon Stewart you know, on The Daily Show, who made a, made a career out of, look at these crazy things conservatives are saying. He does the same thing, except he does it with liberals. So he'll 
beat up on Maxine Waters or other people he thinks have liberals just gone too far. And the third, and this has become much more prevalent during the Trump era, uh, is the anti-anti. So when a conservative does something that's just utterly indefensible, and this happened again a lot during the Trump administration, he just he won't defend what someone like President Trump did, but he'll say, "All right, but the people responding to that have gone too far." So I'm not in favor of it, but I'm against the people who are against it. So he's like uh, sort of the final evolution of contrarian. He's just contrary for the sake of being contrary, if he thinks it will perpetuate his uh, well, his prestige and fame. You would say. Well, I, I think you, know, you linked it back to you had a low wage show on MSNBC. I would actually link his argumentative style back to a show he had before then, right? On CNN, he was on Crossfire, which was uh, called out uh, by John Stewart. John Stewart actually went at the height of the Daily Show's powers, went on Crossfire, which is the CNN show that just had two liberals and two conservatives shouting at each other, and that, that's all it was. And called them out and said, "You're bad for America. What are you doing?" And they got canceled pretty soon after that. Uh, but that show was all about trying to be the most extreme version of your argument, basically setting up straw men and taking them down. And that's still what Tucker Carlson's doing. I think he learned how to do it from there. And I think he also learned what most trolls learn, which is that if I can make an extreme argument, once you respond to me, I'm in control. And if you're saying you're wrong, you're full of it, it doesn't matter because you are responding to me. I'm now the one setting the agenda. And that's where his power really comes from. And it's strange that he sort of came from a, you know, a back and forth. And now it seems like it's just, well, you know, he's the talking head on the show. And it's just him going straight at it into the world without even that sort of other side coming in. In terms of, you know, the worst things he said of late, what has uh, really stood out to you or surprised you that he said recently? So I think people are surprised exactly how far he's gone uh, in your know, white supremacy arguments, basically what we call the great replacement theory, the argument that basically liberals are trying to bring in non-white immigrants and those immigrants are going to destroy our culture in somehow, in some way. And that's uh, – it's surprising he's gone quite that far with it because that's really difficult to hide behind his normal veneer of – country club republicanism you know that oh i'm just i'm just making an argument i'm just trolling uh, he's getting very far into where we normally see white supremacists with the great replacement theory and i'm shocked that he's gotten away with that and i think that's reflective of a change of fox news during the roger ailes era uh he's the founder of fox news he was a speechwriter for nixon and ailes took pretty great pains to make sure his host didn't go quite that far. So he had talking points at the beginning of every day and say, this is what we're talking about. You test it out in the morning shows, the stuff that played well in the morning shows, then gets ferried over the evening shows. So they were working off of a script. And Tucker Carlson is really from the generation after that, after Roger Ailes passed away, Tucker Carlson has exerted a lot of independence. And I think the people in charge of Fox News wish he wouldn't go quite so far, but he's got more power than they do in this relationship. I think he knows, look, I'm making you a lot of money, so I can say whatever the heck I want. Do you think that the Trump era was the real turning point for him getting to where he's at right now? Because, I mean, it's been it's not been that long since, you know, he was on MSNBC. He was sort of friendly with Rachel Maddow, it seemed, who is completely the other end of the spectrum. And now he's this complete right wing darling. Has that happened in a gradual way, do you think, or have there been flashpoints in between that have made things ratchet up. So for example, Trump getting into the White House and then January 6th happening. Trump winning the White House really was a crisis for Fox News and all the hosts on Fox News. Because during the Obama era, 
it was very easy to get your content, which was you just say whatever Obama did was a bad idea. And then starting in, you know, during the 2016 election is easy. You just were going to vilify Hillary Clinton. So that gives you – so Fox News always had this tension where you're trying to get the conservative base of the Republican Party fired up, but you need to keep them on the same page with the uh, – you know, more liberal, economically conservative wing. Again, we call the country club Republicans or the Rockefeller Republicans, the Republicans who are moderate on social issues but really don't want to pay so much in taxes. And the ideological project of Fox News since its founding was to bring those two parts together. And as long as all you're doing is talking about how much you hate Democratic presidents, that's real easy to do, right? You just say, these guys are terrible, they're raising your taxes, and you know they're doing all this bad stuff, so we're going to fire you up against them. Once Donald Trump wins, it's really hard to do it because now you have to be in favor of things rather than just against things. And that's difficult to do. Roger Ailes, I think, was able to make that work during the Bush administration. But during the Trump administration, Roger Ailes isn't there. So everyone's just kind of left on their own kind of floundering. And I think that's really what pushed Tucker Carlson to embrace a lot more of this. I think also, especially with the white supremacist rhetoric, it was the Charlottesville rally, where he started off as an anti-anti in Charlottesville. It's like, okay, these guys weren't good, but these liberals against them are terrible. And then moved into, oh, you know what? Actually, they had a point. The people against them, you know, are going too far, but the the white supremacists were rallying had a point. I think the Black Lives Matter protest also pushed him a little farther on that white supremacist side. I think the other part, you say it was on MSNBC. We know MSNBC is a liberal channel, but we have to remember MSNBC did used to be ideological diverse when it started off. I mean, Ann Coulter had a show on MSNBC the first day it started. And Tucker Carlson was considered one of the more respectable Republicans because he was, I mean, he's a rich guy. He's the heir to the Gordon's fish sticks fortune. That's frozen fish sticks we have in the United States. You know, he wears a bow tie. He's very much coming from that sort of Yale style debate team. And so it's like, all right, well, he's not one of the crazy ones, was the thought. You know, he is making the argument for the Rockefeller Republicans, the guys who just want lower taxes uh, and don't want sexual harassment lawsuits. And so he was making, he was representing that side. And I think when he, when the Trump administration comes out, he did have to push himself further because that style of Republicanism wasn't winning votes anymore. And those Republicans, that's Mitt Romney, right? That's not where the energy in the Republican Party was. The energy of the Republican Party really much much more was with the right wing of the Republican Party, the populist wing of the Republican Party. So he reshaped himself in order to match that. And I have no doubt that if that populist wing of the Republican Party falls into disarray and that's not popular anymore, he will once again rebrand himself as being much more, oh, I'm just the reasonable conservative who cares about you know taxes. It's easy for us to sit here and you know slate him and be angry at him. But as you say, he's clearly doing something which works. What do you think makes his style so unique? Because it has to be so unique for him to be able to bring in that massive an audience. Well, look, part of it is just the uh, time slot he's in, right? He is in the most desirable time slot for a right-wing commentator, right? Eight, nine o'clock slots on Fox News. That's just a desirable time slot. You're getting a lot of viewers there regardless of what you do. What he does is I think the entertainment side of it, where he's making fun of liberals, where he's bringing on, he'll show, let's look at this clip of liberal, and he just puts this, and if you ever watch a show, you recognize his incredulous face. He just looks at the camera and tilts his head slightly like he's a golden retriever who can't figure out where the ball went. And he looks, and that look is saying, this is all just absurd. I can't believe people are actually doing this. 
I do think, though, we also should look at how important he is, how influential he is in the Republican Party, into Republican voters. I mean, those three million votes, those three million people watching him, I think underestimates how important he actually winds up being. Because as with all cable news in the United States, it's not that people watch the show. It's that people post clips from the show. The reach of his program winds up being much, much broader than that three million people that he showed in the first that watched in the first place. And we can actually see this in the data. And I've run these numbers. So if you look at the discussions that he makes, mentions of a candidate, so especially during Republican primary, if he mentions a candidate once, whether it's positive or negative, that candidate, number one, moves up in the polls the next day among Republicans. And number two, a bunch of people throw money at that candidate. We get small donors giving money to that candidate because Tucker Carlson mentioned them, either provingly or disprovingly. More if he mentioned approvingly, but just the mere mention of that name means that that candidate's going to get more money, going to get more support. And that means that candidates and leaders in the Republican Party are not going to say anything about this guy because he is, if not quite a kingmaker, pretty close to it. And so if we look at you know Donald Trump looking to run in 2024, Tucker Carlson is the sort of person you have to have on your side because as long as Tucker Carlson is talking about you, you're going to keep on getting money and you're going to keep on getting support. Now, he doesn't have that much influence over a general election. Independents and liberals are not watching this program. But the fact that he's setting up who the options are, who the conservative candidate is, that matters a lot. How is it? My name is Lassetti. I'm a toy leader with Explore. Come on, let me show you something. Oh, careful. Can you see it? Oh, trust me. It can see you. There, between the trees. It's not every day you get to see a rhino on a walk. I guess not everyone is taken to the right places. But you will be, if you explore. For global adventures, search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel. Explore. Namaskaram. My name is Nayad. I'm a tour leader with Explore. Come, follow me for a breakfast you will never forget. Namaste. <laughs> because you are going to make an incredible masala dosa under the watchful eye of my mom. Kya baat hai, ma? Each home adds their special touches. Mm. But not everyone gets to join in a traditional family meal. You will if you explore. For global adventures, search exploreworldwide.co.uk and don't just travel, explore. When it comes to Fox, you know, the CEO Susan Scott has said that part of her strategy for the channel is to not show anything that the audience isn't interesting. For, so, for example, they didn't show the January 6 hearings. Just how negative an impact does how Tucker Carlson is speaking about things and what Fox is choosing to omit have on the wider political consciousness of the United States? So... There's a bunch of studies, and I've gotten in trouble for doing these studies myself, where we look <laughs> at political knowledge. So we ask people about current events. And I, I say, as pollsters, we generally don't ask people about current events because the results are uniformly upsetting, right? It turns out people don't know anything, right? All We spend all this time talking about the news. People have no idea what's going on. And a consistent finding, the finding I've had, the finding others have had, is that people who watch Fox News wind up knowing less than we'd expect them to know if they were watching no news at all. And that's partially <laughs> because of the demographics, right? They're mostly older, whiter, uh, more educated. So we expect them to have a pretty good base of knowledge. And the ones who watch Fox News just fail all of these quizzes. They have no idea what's going on in the news. And that's weird, right? Because you're watching news, you should get some content. You shouldn't get negative content. And the solution to this, I believe, what's really going on is that they are getting a lot of news just about other issues completely. 
So the main topics they're talking about are things that don't show up anywhere else, partially because they're made up. They're made up nonsense. So for instance, the war on Christmas, one of my favorite examples of this, you know, something we've had in the US going back to about 2006 that was made up on the Bill O'Reilly show. Right, he just decided there's this war on Christmas, and they're taking you know the liberals are taking Christmas out of your schools and out of the stores, and this is the first step. And if we allow this to go forward, then you're going to have gay marriage, abortion on demand, and I don't know Satanism. All these terrible things are going to happen, starting with the war on Christmas. And it was such a hit for Bill O'Reilly and for everyone else. Fox News just kept on doing it for ten years. It got outside of Fox News, it got no coverage. No one's writing about the war on Christmas. Because it's not actually a thing, right? There's no politician <laughs> who's out here trying to ban Christmas. So this means that Fox News viewers, if you ask them what the most important issues facing America are, a bunch of them say, the war on Christmas. And everyone's going, what in the world are you talking about? There's no war on Christmas. Or uh, during the Obama era, there was a scandal that they called Fast and Furious, the Fast and Furious scandal about Mexican agents gun running on the border and the you know DEA helping them run guns. And it was nonsense. Like it didn't make it and it got no pickup anywhere, but it was hugely covered on Fox News. So it means that viewers who immerse themselves in this wind up having this very toxic combination of number one, not knowing anything about things that are really going on in the world. The big controversies, the biggest that are happening, they know almost nothing about those. And at the same time, they are supremely confident that they know all sorts of things about what's going on in the world. And that's a dangerous mixture because you can't talk them out and say, okay, well but this is important too. Because they already know what's important. They've been told what's important. They know all about that stuff. And there's no one in the world who knows more about something than someone who is wrong about it. The people who think that 9-11 didn't really happen know more about the melting point of steel than any of us ever will. <laughs> but they're, in a larger sense, utterly wrong, right? And that's the problem we're getting to is we have a large portion of the population where we – that we can't compromise. We can't negotiate because say, okay, here's the issues. Let's decide what to do because we're talking about completely different issues, right? There's no overlap. Do you think there's any way of uh, countering this problem? I mean, you know, here in the UK, we have quite a lot of regulation over broadcast media. And, you know, I know in the US media landscape, that is not so forthcoming. Do you think that is something which anyone could do? Or is it the kind of thing that, you know, say if a Joe Biden wanted to do that is that it would just be fuel to these people who would go see the liberals want to stop what you're watching on tv now and it would just create more chaos yeah so in the u.s our regulation is based on control of the broadcast airwaves right so cable airwaves are actually completely free from regulation uh broadcast airwaves they actually do have to do some degree of equal time there was something called the fairness doctrine that ronald reagan phased out so is there anything you can do in terms of regulation? The answer is not really. I mean, the secret of Fox News is that it makes an enormous amount of money. And if they're making a lot of money and they're a private corporation, why in the world would they stop doing what they're doing? Uh, there's a limit to what you can do. So uh, one of the things, the big movements in the US about this has been to pressure advertisers, to say to people, look, you are advertising during Fox, during Tucker Carlson. He's laundering this white supremacist rhetoric. Do you want to be associated with this? And the big corporations, you know, Procter & Gamble and GM are going to say, okay, no, just don't run a ads during Tucker Carlson. We don't want to be associated with that. And you think, okay, well, good. So there's no ad revenue. So they're going to not do it. And if you watch Tucker Carlson, you're going to see there's a lot of ads for Mike Lindell trying to sell you pillows and a lot of ads for people <laughs> who are telling you that your US dollars are going to be worthless any day now. So you should send your worthless dollars for their valuable, valuable gold. I mean, it's 
these are not ads they're paying a lot of money, but it doesn't matter because Fox News uh, gets a lot of, gets all almost all of its money from cable uh, from cable providers who have to pay in order to carry Fox News. So those as long as people are watching it, cable providers will still hold on to it, right? If I'm a cable provider, cable service, I have to have Fox News. There's going to be a bunch of old people who will be really upset if I don't. So I can't drop them, and I'm, they can demand a lot of money as long as they've got the viewership. So there's limits on what people outside of Fox News can actually do about this. Calling them out saying, oh, this is outrageous. You shouldn't be saying this. That doesn't do anything because Tucker Carlson is trying to be outrageous, right? You just centered him in the conversation again. There has been some attempts on the part of the Biden administration, especially to do outreach to Fox News. Uh, So Pete Buttigieg does a lot of interviews on Fox News. Is that effective? Yes and no. I mean, it doesn't seem to work very well to put people on Tucker Carlson's show specifically because he does pre-tape interviews. And so there's plenty of instances where uh, someone goes on and makes reasonable points and just gets cut to shreds by Tucker Carlson because he can edit it and take out any good points they make and make it look like an idiot. So there's no reason to do this, right? There's no way to engage with this and change it. What the media has been trying to do for a long time is say, all right, well, let's take these complaints seriously. Conservatives, this goes back to Richard Nixon, say the media is against me. So what I'm going to do as a the media, the media is going to recognize, yes, the people in charge of the media are generally relatively left-wing. They're generally progressive. Uh, they don't want to pay taxes, but they're socially liberal. So what we're going to do is we're going to give uh, extra coverage, bend over backwards to be fair. So we're going to hire conservative columnists to write for the New York Times and write for the Washington Post and give them space. And that was the strategy in the 70s and 80s. All right. Maybe we are being unfair. Let's bring them in, and then you know, we'll get more reasonable versions of this. And it hasn't worked because it's not like you brought in William Sapphire to the New York Times and suddenly Ronald Reagan stopped complaining about the media. No, they say they ask for more. They say, well, you're still being unfair. You're still being unfair. You're still being unfair. So I'm not sure there's anything you can really do from outside. This has to be a business decision on the part of Fox. Fox has to reach the point where they go, this rhetoric is so dangerous and is hurting our bottom line that you have to Tone it down, pull it in, or we're going to kick you off the air. And uh, Fox News certainly has not reached that breaking point. If they ever do, that's what's going to do it as a business decision. Is the difficulty here that the opponents to Fox News and Tucker Carlson are they're trying to counter them by playing within the rules of a game which Fox simply refuses to play within? So it depends on which competition we're talking about. So if you ask... Fox, their competition is not really CNN. I mean, they are outpacing CNN in viewership every night, six times the viewership of MSNBC, right? They don't see those as competition. They see their competition as being other primetime programs. Their their competition is ABC as far as they're concerned, you know, network programming. MSNBC and CNN are both well, CNN more than NBC, are both trying to present this idea of balance. Like, we're going to tell you the actual facts. We're going to present both sides. We're going to have experts from both sides on and try and center actual current events and respond to actual current events rather than manufacturing events that we're dealing with. So that does hamstring them. But I don't think it would necessarily work, right? So if you're MSNBC, there's been a long tradition of trying to make kind of a left version of uh, Fox News, and it's never really worked. Because uh, the liberal arguments that are made don't work as well, right? The audience isn't as receptive to those. Uh, liberal audiences tend to be much more accepting of ambiguity. Say, well, there's, this can be true and this can be true. We can hold both ideas in our head. The world's probably gray, so there's no point in saying black and white. Where conservative audiences are much more comfortable with the idea that, no, 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 there's good guys and bad guys, and that's all we're doing. I do think that the closest thing we've had 
to Tucker Carlson to Fox News on the left uh, is The Daily Show during the John Stewart heyday, where he was very much bringing up issues, doing investigative stuff, and clowning and making the other people look like idiots. And that was very effective because he did create good guys and bad guys. So if you knew nothing about politics, you watch that, it was entertaining, and you get an idea, John Stewart's idea, of what good and bad are. The other side of competition to Fox News is these far-right channels uh, like One America, OAN, uh, and uh, Newsmax that are kind of attacking from the right, saying these cha- the Fox News is insufficiently kowtowing to Trump, is not white supremacist enough, is not populist enough, and we're going to fill that gap. We're going to attack them from the right. And we saw they had some success, right, during the 2020 election, right? Fox News called Arizona for probably prematurely called Arizona for Joe Biden and basically said, yeah, Joe Biden won the presidency. And that pushed Fox News viewers temporarily over into Newsmax and OAN, who kept up for for months the lie that the election had been stolen. So there is competition on the right. And I think that actually uh, is pushing Fox News and Tucker Carlson say, no, 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 we are going to keep on pushing to the right. So in order to avoid getting flanked by these other channels. Tucker Carlson sort of came in as a, you know, a successor to Bill O'Reilly. Is there anyone we should be keeping an eye on who to you looks like they could be a future Tucker Carlson when he gets a bit tired? Uh, so, yeah, there's there's other people that Fox News is trying to build up. Uh, Tamron Hall comes to mind. Uh, it's an African-American woman, right, who is uh, who is Fox News pushing very hard. If you want to see where the next generation of Fox News is, I do think it pays to look at Fox News' streaming service, Fox Nation. So this is really where they are doing their uh, tryouts. I mean, and if I'm honest, Fox Nation, for the most part, is amateur hour. Like, it looks like someone had, you know, a budget of 300 bucks. It, it is generally poorly produced, poorly lit. Uh, the anchors don't always have a real good idea of what they're doing. It's like the Beatles in Hamburg, right? They don't know what they're doing, but they're getting a lot of practice. And that's where mm. they're building people up. Uh, I think the other natural successor we're seeing is a woman named Dana Lash. When the NRA was running its own streaming TV channel, NRA TV, she was their top person. Uh, and she has been pushed. She's very much doing the same thing Tucker Carlson does, where she is angry, but also clowning on people. And again, the fact that she is a woman, I think, does give her some extra uh, leeway because there's it's you know when she gets criticized, you can say, oh, they're criticizing me because I'm a woman, and so that gives her some extra leeway to make arguments that Carlson maybe can't make quite as easily. Uh, so it is, I think, your successor to Tucker Carlson is likely not going to be a white man because I think Fox News has realized this is a bad look for us. We want to look more diverse, but also. It's not clear that you need a successor to Tucker Carlson. He is relatively young. I mean, Bill O'Reilly, when he was started doing this job, was 65 years old. Well, he wasn't going to stick around forever. Uh, Tucker Carlson is relatively young. He can stick around for a for the foreseeable future. And again, there's no one like uh, Roger Ailes, who's in charge of this, who's going to be telling him what to do, telling him what he can and cannot say, telling him he has to get off the air. That hasn't happened yet. And so, as long as he stays popular, you're not going to see a successor. And if you do, it's you know the people that. Uh, were the second tier under Tucker Carlson uh, for Fox News for the last couple of years are largely gone. I mean, people like Britt Hume, right? They're just not with the channel anymore. Basically, if you couldn't keep up with the populist shift to Fox News, and a lot of people couldn't, they just left. And we should note, this isn't necessarily bad for their careers. I mean, a lot of those folks wind up on CNN, right? CNN wants to look like, yes, we're bringing conservatives and liberals together. So you hire people who used to be on Fox News.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. He's been a kingmaker politically, as you said previously. Do you think he could ever have a career in politics of his own? I think he could if he chose. I think I don't think that any job he could get would match what his ambitions are. He could probably find a district where he could run for the House of Representatives and do very well. Could he become a senator? Probably not. Could he become president? Almost certainly not. So if I'm Tucker Carlson, why would I want to trade in this very cushy job I have for running for office, which is terrible? Right, right. For, you know, especially in the U.S., you spend you're in the House of Representatives. You spend every day of your life calling rich people and begging them for money, and not really getting very much done, and going to very dull committee hearings. So I don't know why he would. Does he have a following? Yes. Can he raise money? Absolutely. Is that enough to get him into a conservative seat? Sure, but it's probably not enough. He's alienated so many people in the center and on the left that it'd be really hard for him to get as high and get the sort of power that he would really want. Would he love to be a senator? Would he love to be president? Sure. But I don't see any realistic way for him to get there, at least in the short term. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, My pleasure. Great talking with you. Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. For as little as £3 a month, you'll get episodes early and ad-free as well as access to exclusive merchandise. This is Jacob Jarvis. Thank you for joining me in The Bunker. The Bunker USA was produced and presented by Jacob Jarvis. The group editor was Andrew Harrison, and production was by Jack Gerbertson, Kasia Tomaszewicz, and me, Alex Reese, with original music by Jade Bailey. Our marketing manager was Gina Richard. The Bunker USA is a Podmasters production. Thank you.